Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. If you've been listening to this podcast or are new to it, I thank you very much. I would also appreciate if you took a moment and followed it on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. I've had so many questions regarding should I promote myself as an artist, and if so, how do I go about doing so? Well, today's guest has worked in radio and television for over 40 years as a reporter, producer, and talk show host. She has also performed on stage productions as a singer and actress and as a published author. She is now the host of the syndicated radio magazine show Pop Off out of Sacramento, California. I've been a guest on her show numerous times over the last decade, and she has become a great friend in the process. Welcome, Mary Jane Pop. Hey, John. It is such a pleasure to talk with you. And you can add a few extra things to the stuff that I've done. I also anchor the new news. I've been a reporter. I've been an anchor. I even did weather for a while. That's the one thing you have to keep in mind if you're going to be in radio and television. Be flexible. That's the key. Uh, I am so excited to share a lot of information with the people who are listening because it ain't an easy job to get, you know, your book reviewed or uh, be on a talk show, but I've got a few things that I'd like to share with you. Is that okay? Absolutely, because I'm just so happy to be able to turn the microphone around on you. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of fun because actually I started out that way. As a singer and actress, uh, I was always going to be the one who was going to be interviewed, and now I've been doing interviews for like uh, 47 years, for God's sakes. I love it, though, because I learn something from everybody that I have on the show. But the one thing I want everybody to start out with, I don't care if this is your first book or your 10th book, time to let the world know. Don't be the best-kept secret in town. And doing radio and TV over this, this many years, technology has changed, but not the perseverance of getting the interview done. Uh, nobody's going to knock on your door. I can tell you that right now. So get up and get off your derriere. Uh, get ready for some tough times. You need a tough skin. It ain't easy to get out there, but you can do it. It doesn't make any different if you have a publisher with interviews. Uh, they used to do a lot more uh, publishing. The publishers would set up interviews, except not so much anymore. But you know what? You have other avenues to pursue. Uh, it makes no difference if you have a publisher or you've done an indie book. You can get a PR agency if you want, but you're going to pay big time. Uh, check them out thoroughly before you do that. Uh, but you can do a lot on your own to start out. Don't forget to let folks know on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you have about your book when it's ready. As a matter of fact, lead up to it. Uh, you know, I'm working on this, and here's what I'm trying to do. Get them started to follow you as you progress in finishing the book. And you start with a list of local stations once that book is done. And how you do that? Google. That's your best friend. Uh, Google your local stations and find out what stations are out there. We have about 21 or 23 stations in Sacramento. Not all of them would fit exactly what you're doing with the book that you have. Uh, find out if it's a music station, a news or a talk station, a religious station, whatever. If it fits your venue, then make a notation of that. Go to their website, find out what shows do interviews. For an example, I don't necessarily do novels uh, unless the author has lived the life that's depicted in the story or they researched it to the max, uh, like uh, James Rollins. When I have him on, I know he's been traveling all over the world researching his book. So he's got so many stories that are 
uh, outside of the book, but fascinating just as much as the book. Or maybe some past uh, celebrities like uh, Marion Ross uh, from Happy Days or Carol Channing. They all usually write memoirs, which is great, but they have stories about themselves. Use the receptionist. Call the receptionist to fill you in on the shows and whether they do interviews, what kind of person they are, or do you deal with a producer? It could be either way. I happen to produce my own shows, and it's just because I really enjoy doing that because I know exactly what I'm looking for when I book a show. If you get an interview, if you can, if you've got the time, listen to at least one of the shows before you go on to get an idea of who you're dealing with. Uh, because you're going to be dealing with them on their territory, not yours. Uh, they might ask you for a pitch sheet. I get a lot of pitch sheets every day emailed to me before I would book. Uh, that means sell me on having you on. Uh, one page can do it if you have a great lead. No time. I don't have the time to read a volume of information. Think, um, think like National Enquirer headlines. You know, it gets your attention in the grocery line and realize I've gotten to know a whole lot of PR agencies from New York to Los Angeles, Chicago, Miami. I get 150 to 200 pitches at least a week. So make yours stand out. If you've listened, you'll know me better. You know what gets my interest. I do at least minimally 20 interviews a week. So I don't have time to read a bunch of stuff for your book. Grab me. And that grab me will make me want to read more about what you're doing. Send information as soon as you book the show. Ask what they need. Ask if they want questions or bullet points. Never ask me to send you questions. Never done, I've never done that from stars to politicians. Uh, it, it really kind of gets under my skin if they ask for the questions ahead of time because I never know. Uh, if, if I have a list of bullet points that I ask on, on the uh, show, Sometimes I deviate completely, depending on your answer. So give a, a general area which you want to cover. That's okay, but not specifics. Dance around it. Besides, I even have bullet points that I use for my interview. But like I said, I sometimes deviate because you may give me a new idea or something will come up in our conversation that I hadn't thought of. So it may go in a different direction completely because of something that you say. I love the book. A lot of hosts will go with a PDF. It's okay to have a PDF uh, ahead of time. I can skim. I can look at it. But can you imagine with 20 interviews a week how many books I get? Not They're not all books, but still, you know, I can't read 10 or 15 books a week. I can't. I can skim them. That's why it's important for you to have a lot of good information for me and bullet points when you send me the information. But I love a real book when I do the interview. I don't know about you, John, but having that book in my hand uh, makes the interview more interesting to me. I'm closer to you because I have that book in my hand. Besides, I like to kind of flip through it a little bit and find some other points as I'm talking to you. So if ask if they need a PDF or a book. Uh, they usually always ask me ahead of time. And they say, yeah, if you've got a book, please, I'd like to have the book. Be always ready a few minutes before the interview. I was sitting down here about, you know, five or ten minutes before we do the interview for a couple of reasons. One is sometimes a host will have to end a little bit early for some reason. Maybe they had a, a guest that was not very interesting, so they end a little early. Or they might have a little bit longer commercial break before you're on, and it might be a couple of minutes after the time that they told you that they're going to call. 
Confrontational is not bad, but do it with respect. Remember, it's not your show. Remember who has the button to turn you down. I remember I always win when you're doing the interview with me. Uh, flattery helps, but don't be syrupy. I mean, we do have egos, and we wouldn't be doing this thing called radio or television if we didn't have egos. Uh, John, you know about that. Uh, I, I love doing shows with you because we have fun. We enjoy each other. We enjoy the topics that we, we discuss. Put your best self forward. Keep the energy level up. Remember, television, I've done both. I've done both for years and years. Now, television is actually easier because they can see your expressions. They can see your body language. But with radio, you are making pictures with your voice and you have to kind of create those pictures as you go along stay warm stay engaging some hosts like written intros i personally don't uh i will look at it and i'll pick up maybe some salient points but i want the intro to be mine not some intern who doesn't really know my style if you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Don't get too technical. Oh, by the way, John, you can jump in here anytime you want if you want to ask a question. <laughs> yeah. But don't get too technical. Did you have a question? No, I got several no. questions, but just keep on rolling. When, once, okay. once you take a breath, I'll jump in there. Okay. You may wait for a while. Anyway, don't get too technical. Uh, use the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid, and you won't lose them. Talk to your host like a friend. I've had some guests tell me that it feels like they're in my living room or their living room and we're just chatting. Well, I've done my job because everybody feels comfortable in that kind of interview. Put yourself in the place of the listener. Don't assume they know anything because you know what the word assume means. If you don't know the answer, don't make it up. Uh, say I'll get the answer when you, when you have me back. Hint, hint. You're giving a big hint there to have you back. Make sure you get your website in or your Facebook or Instagram, whatever social media you have. Give them places to find you and follow you and your book because there may be another book and you want to be able to let them know when that comes out. Don't let your energy wane no matter how long you're on. As an interviewer, if I'm yawning, you can bet my listeners are too, so that's just not acceptable. Uh, be sure to thank your host. Always express that you would love to come back again, unless you actually hated them. But, you know, for the most part, you want to come back. You have a passion for your project. Make sure the host and the listeners know that. Always find a nice, cozy place to do the interview. Quiet if you can. I'm in a separate room, a spare room, where I have a setup with the little studio stuff and my computer and all that kind of thing. But it's, you want it to be quiet. Uh, you don't want to have a lot of distractions because you're trying to focus. You've got to focus on this interview. When you're on the air with someone interviewing you, that's the most important thing ever. Besides anything else, you are focused in on that interview. Check out your line, please. Landline is preferable. Cell phones are notorious. I don't care if you paid a fortune for it. Cell towers will tell the tale. Besides, they sound tenure on the air, even if it's an expensive cell phone. I just don't care. Cell phones, I, I swear, they were made for videos and playing games and everything else. I don't think they really cared about you know, whether it's a good phone or not. So use a cell phone as a last resort or have it as a backup. 
Because if you know if they're having a storm someplace, I mean, I talk to people in Norway and Australia and the UK, uh, you know, you name it, Sweden. Uh, in addition to everybody across the country, so they may have different weather there. Maybe uh, they have a lightning strike and the electricity goes out. Okay, then it's nice to have a cell phone. Work on your voice quality and inflection. You're telling a story about you and your precious book. So it's up to you to get that story out. Now, I have the following uh, to get ahead in life. I've done this for many, many years. We all know about the 3D, three dimensions. But I have four Ds, discipline, daring, disappointment, and determination. You need all of those, those four dimensions in your life and your work, and you will succeed. You have good, even great information, but you have to be entertaining. You're on stage. This is a stage. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my audience as if they were real people out there. That microphone that I'm talking to every day, those are people. That's not a microphone. Those are people who really want to listen to me and really want to hear what I have to say. Finally, never give up. Have a thick skin. Always believe in yourself. Never let up on your passion. The passion is what will carry you throughout life, no matter what you do or how many books you write. What do you think, John? I think that's a pretty darn good answer for my first little question, like, welcome Mary Jane Pop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, yeah. jump any question you want to ask. Like, yeah. You can ask me any question yeah, about yeah. my life, about what I've done. I don't care. No, that's good. So my, That's the one thing, John, i got to tell you. My life's an open book, uh, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's figuratively. <laughs> yes. Uh, what I say on the air I say off the air. You know me. Absolutely. We've been friends for a long time. Indeed. You've seen me off the air. I've seen you at the American Library Association conventions mm -hmm. when we chat and all this. Do I sound any different? Not at all. That's, that's one thing why, why you're the first person I asked to, uh, to do this okay. interview because it's important. I, have, I, I do get this uh, question like the importance of self-promotion and the... Um, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable. How do I do this? What about this? What about that? And so that's why I wanted to yes. just get it from a perspective from um, from the, the horse's host. mouth. Nay, nay. You know, exactly. <laughs> it's true. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've hit the rough spots uh, a long time ago, <laughs> and yeah. still do. There's nothing perfect. Yeah. There's never an interview that's perfect. I go back and listen to some of my interviews because I have to archive shows if I'm ever going to be off for some reason, mm -hmm. uh, like a you know a holiday or whatever. Uh, but you know. I listen. I don't like to listen to myself, to be honest with you. I never do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think most people, now most stars that I've talked to over the years, they say the same thing. They don't like to listen to themselves because they're always critiquing. And that's not a bad thing to do at the beginning, but don't get obsessed with it because you want it to be real, too. Yeah. Uh, if it sounds too doggone slick, then it's not real. If you don't make a little flubby-doo once in a while with a word or something... Then it, it sounds like it's a pre-recorded message, and you know you read it off like a like a commercial. You don't want this to be a commercial. Yeah. You want it to be real. Good. Now, as a host for a guest, what are some of the do's and don'ts on being a guest in terms of? Oh, this we'll take it as a general thing, and then I got more narrowed down questions. But what are some do's and don'ts for a guest when getting coming onto a radio show? Well, you mean as far as the preparation? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Preparation is, I don't, you, why would you need to prepare? You already know what you have. You wrote the book. 
you have the, the, the knowledge much more than the host, even if they've read the book, they know more. The person knows more who wrote the book. Besides, stories around the story is great. You know, how did you get the information? What was your inspiration? Why did you want to write a book? I mean, of all things in the whole world, a very difficult thing to do. Why would you want to do that? Was it always your dream? Did you start writing when you were a kid? I mean, I can sit here and anybody, you can introduce anybody to me, and I'll sit here for half an hour and ask them questions because I'm, I'm curious. That has been always my, my one thing in life is to have the curiosity. And if you as a guest are curious, you can also turn the tables on the host, mm-hmm. but do it in a very gentle way, because the host doesn't like to be put in the spot all the time. Uh, make sure it's a positive. What's an example uh, of that? It, what would be an example of, of that? Uh, to be a, of something that's not positive? No, of, of, of turning, the table, uh, tur- turning the table. Oh, okay. John, how are things going, you know, with Galaxy Press? Do you have some new books out? Good. So I'm, I'm the one that's interviewing. Now you just turned around and made me the, the guest. Thank okay, you. good. Yeah. Or, hey, John, how's the family? How are things going for you? Uh, I know with this whole thing with the pandemic, has it changed, you know, the whole world of books and, and what you're doing at Galaxy Press? And my gosh, how is Battlefield Earth growing? Is it still, you know, people out there enjoying because of the audiobooks? Are audiobooks growing right now? Uh, because people are at home or if they're driving and long distances sometimes, they love to listen to audiobooks. Yeah, I've just, I've just asked you three or four questions. Yeah, good. Okay, so that's what that means there. But I slid into it. Yeah. I didn't, you know, just, hey, John, I want to ask you something. No, right. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to ask you something. It, you slide in from whatever the interview question was prior to that. Got it. Oh, if you're not there, you're dead meat. You're dead to me uh, because I'm live. This is a live show that I do, uh, and I don't have the time to be finding out where you are. Now, God forbid, you know, something happens to a person, and it has happened. I've actually had a guest, uh, this was several years ago, that actually passed away. Uh, So, you know, that I can forgive. But anything (laughs) else, unless you're a road road pizza, you better be where you're supposed to be. And it, it does happen once in a while. Now, to be honest with you, I've learned long ago, you always have backups. Uh, I have backup tapes of interviews that I do, and I just kind of archive them in case something happens. It, it, sometimes things that do happen at the last minute. I've had guests, you know, who say, you know, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes before the interview, and they call and they go, have an emergency. My wife or husband is in the hospital. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Go, you know, go do your thing. I'll take care of it. That's different. But if it's, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. Oh, fine. Then I forgot to call you back and interview you again. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the only thing. There's one other thing that will really get to me. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. Uh, I had a, it was just great. And any interview is a great interview. Uh, a local newspaper, the uh, Auburn Journal, called and said, we want to do an interview on you and your, your, what you do on the air. And I said, sure, anything. Come on, we're going to ask. And what they took away from that, the title with my picture, was Nothing But Truth. And that really does hold true. If uh, I've told that to politicians. I said, you know, I will be respectful of you whether I agree with you or not. I've done that with stars. I've done it with, uh, you know, governors. I did it with Nancy Reagan and Rosalind Carter. 
I, I don't want to give you questions ahead of time, but I will be respectful. But if you lie to me, and believe me, I will find out, then you will be sorry. I will take you down. I will find a way to take you down. And I can do that on the air with anybody. I can make you look really bad. But I don't want to do that. That's not my, my idea of a good interview. Good interview is I want to share your information. I want to find out more about you. With this last year, with the pandemic, it has been absolutely incredible, the types of information that keeps coming out every single day. I have uh, one or two doctors that I have on every week just to update all the information on the pandemic and the vaccines and what's going on in the world. Uh, but again, I don't want you to stretch the truth. You don't have to. Life is interesting to begin with. Why would you have to stretch the truth? You don't. But you can make it interesting because you have the passion for it. You have the love for it. Um, you, I mean, you do the, your work. And the work, does it work ever end for you, John? I mean, literally. You're always thinking about what's the next thing. You're thinking about the podcast, who you're going to interview, Galaxy Press, what are the books coming out? What, am I, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to let people know what's happening and what I'm doing? That's all in your mind if you really want to do this. Right. It's not, I'll, you know, a lark. Well, I think I'll write and see what happens. No. If you want to write a book, then be passionate about it. Be you know, 24-7 thinking about it. Uh, it's not easy. I bet the only time that I don't think about my show or what's going to be happening the next day or next week, because I book two, three weeks ahead, um, you know, is, is a time when I sit down and watch a little television with something moronic, you know. <laughs> and just nothing I have to, I don't have to use a brain, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, or I'm playing with my dogs. I love, I mean, that's a hobby that I have. Is that, everybody, they asked me that in the uh, interview. They said, do you have any hobbies? Yeah, I said, I play with my dogs. I don't really have any other hobbies. My, my life is my work. Uh, I enjoy it so much because, as I said earlier, I learn so much from the people that I have on the air. I learn about health and lifestyle and alternative health and business and some politics, but I always say civil politics, no yelling, no name calling, because you ain't going to stay on the air very long with me if you do that. Uh, and some entertainment. I mean, you know, when we have uh, things like the Golden Globes or the Oscars, Friday is always my entertainment day. And I kind of lighten things up a little bit because I get some pretty heavy topics Monday through Thursday. Um, and then I, I do, do some movie reviews. I do a new car review. I have people from all walks of life. I have a, a person who's a regular on, uh, who does the movie reviews. But then I also have someone that wrote for the National Enquirer. So he's the gossip guy. And I find out what's happening in La La Land. Down there, John. <laughs> so, uh, but you, you need to have fun and to enjoy what you're doing. If you hate what you're doing every time you get up in the morning, isn't that a sad life? You don't want that kind of life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I get up in the morning, and I bet you do too, John, going like, yay, you know, what am I doing today? You know, I've got a list of things. Maybe I don't even have a list of things, but I know I'm going to have fun because I'm going to be talking to some wonderful people like John Goodwin. Well, thank you. So in terms of you're, you're saying that um, guests don't need to really prepare, but one thing I've have found, and it's maybe it's been more on television, but on, um, on doing an interview, having like that elevator pitch or a, a short little five or ten second 
you know, description of your story so it doesn't become this long-winded explanation that kind of like gets confusing. Because I've seen, one of the things I do to, for the winners, we have a day-long workshop that I, that I drill all the winners, writers and illustrators of the future, on how to do interviews. And we go over, um, one of the things we do is the elevator pitch. There are 15, so we start off, okay, describe your story or your book or your art. And okay, let's make it now 30 seconds. Now make it 15, now make it 10. So they can actually say it. Um, as a, making a soundbite, which possibly is more relevant for television than radio, but nevertheless, um, a, a good. Oh no, it's a, relevant for radio too. Think, think about it. Think about politicians. They always have I call what well, we call it a soundbite, mm-hmm. because they know they're going to talk for quite a few minutes in an interview, obviously. But the first eight to ten seconds, that's usually where they get whatever point they want to get over. Because for two reasons. One is they know that the reporter or the talk show host or whatever, uh, you, you're not having time to listen to everything, every little nuance in the interview. If you give them a good sound bite at the beginning, you're going to get that on. It's going to be on. Uh, and it can be 10 seconds or 15 seconds or 30 seconds, but make sure you get all of the salient and point in it. And also, be enter- you've got to be entertaining. I don't care. It, really, we don't have n- real news anymore. Let's be honest about right. it. Right. It's infotainment. Entertainment. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, infotainment. Infotainment. They give you information, but they're entertaining you. And that's the same thing with any interview that you do. You are the person who's going to entertain. Uh, and so you have to be ready for it. And think about it. Think about it. You can say a whole lot in 15 seconds. In 30 seconds, my gosh, you can give them the whole story. Yeah, because it's one thing I've found is sometimes where they haven't really crystallized and formalized. And we're talking also for people that are listening to this are people that are not, they're not the politicians that are slick with their sound bias and they've drilled and redrilled and they've got their PRs working with them. Okay, this is how you talk. This is what you say. Or minimally having had considerable experience on this. So for the novice, what I've tried to do is say, okay, look, it take a few minutes, even especially on radio, you can get away with this. Write down your the things you want to be able to say so that you don't get tongue-tied or forget. And then all of a sudden you find out when they ask you a question, you go, uh, and you say the wrong thing, which isn't a matter of a lie. It's just possibly a little bit of just intimidation just from being on the radio knowing that 100,000 oh, people are I, listening to you. You're so right. I mean, I've had people freeze in front of a microphone, and they, they're experienced, and they freeze in front of a microphone yeah. or in front of a camera. Again, if you think of that camera as a person. Seriously. I mean, that's not a camera. Those are people. Think of it as one person or five people or whatever. Um, I used to, I was an entertainer since I was 10 years old. I was traveling, singing across the country, even to the Voice of America and, and, uh, you know, conventions where they were, yeah, I was very young and they were already seven sheets to the wind by the time I got on stage. But you know what? If you could hold them and you could bring a tear to their eyes, I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than that. So you have to think that way. How can I get to these people and how can I get them to want to read my book because it's, it's either important or uh, it's going to be entertaining. You're going to love the information. This is what I did to get there. But again, think in headlines. Don't think in chunks of time think in headlines if you think in headlines you can do like 15 30 seconds standing up with no problem at all seriously and television is easier 
it is easier because you have, uh, like I said, body language, the expression of your face. Uh, those are all things that make it a lot easier on television. Yeah, you got to look good. Um, on radio, you don't always have to look so good. You could be in your jammies and do the interviews, uh, although I find that difficult to do. Uh, always be prepared. I I never do interviews, especially on the air or at the station. Now, most of the other people, they'll, gosh, they'll wear uh, jeans and a T-shirt. I don't. I like to dress up a little bit. Now, I'm not fancy schmancy. You don't have to do that, but a little bit. You know, slacks and a sweater, some nice jewelry, hair is made up. I've got makeup. And I say, you don't have to wear makeup. I say, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I consider the people that I have on my show uh, as my friends. How would I want my friends to look at me? Oh, my God, you look terrible. You just crawled out from under a rock. No. I want to be able to be ready and prepared and up energy to everyone that I have on the show. So give me the same uh, respect. If I respect you enough to dress up for you and look good for you, uh, then I would expect the same thing from the other side. But television is easier because then you also have the book you can hold up or you've got props. Take props with you. If something, mm-hmm. you know, strikes you, take a prop with you. Let the uh, reporter or the or the host, whoever it happens to be, let them play with it while you're talking. That gives them something to do, and it gives you more of a platform to keep going. Yeah. One thing I've done is um, with the winners, I say have a copy of the book with you because the back of the book has all the judges. It has some of the great uh, blurbs from famous people, and then we also have a bunch of blurbs as well inside the book from what other people have said about it. Because I've just I've had people that are just they, like you said they they will just like freeze and even they say no don't freeze but that doesn't necessarily unfreeze a person so I've tried to work out where they just okay have some of the things that you want to say you know I'll I'll even drill them to you know write it down on a piece of paper and then just tick it off as you go through it another thing too that I've gone over with them I'm gonna just again I'm saying this so that I can get your response to that I'll ask you know well how long are we going to be on the air because. If it's, Always. If it's a ten- what did I ask you when, we, when you phoned me? I know. The first thing you says, okay, so how long are we going to be talking? <laughs> yeah. So that, that gives me an idea of where to go and to make sure that I get in the last points that I want to have. But if I thought, well, I have no idea how long this is going to be. Am I going to be able to get in, you know, that, that my show is on at 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday, uh, or they can get the podcast 24-7 at com. Or if you want to email me, just email me. The name of my show is Popoff. Uh, just it's p o p p o f f at live dot com. Well, I've got it all in, but you know what? I'll try and repeat it again before we end this conversation, John. Good. So then that that gives me then my next uh, question. And so your interviews are no, you, you normally run what fifteen twenty minutes, or do you sometimes do the thirty minutes? That's you, the, the thirty minutes. The, the uh, in the noon news, the I, I anchor the noon news. Uh, and in the noon news, they're usually 10 to 15 minutes uh, because I've got other things to get on. I've got the traffic report. I've got the, the weather report. I've got a business report. Those all have to be worked in. I've got the local news, et cetera. Right. So those all have to be worked in. But th- So those interviews are shorter. Uh, the pop-off radio show, I do two interviews in that hour, and it starts at 05. So we have five minutes of news at the top of the hour. So I've got actually 55 minutes, or actually 54, 10, or 55, 10. Uh, so I have to get those two interviews in in that 
hour. I like a half hour. Sometimes I'll go an hour, but it's rare. Right. Uh, the only people that I've done in the last maybe six months a whole hour with um, is Mary T. Brown. She is one of the most renowned psychics in the world. Uh, she's in New York, and she does very few interviews. Uh, and I, I feel very honored that I can do it with her. But I always ask about, you know, the prediction of what's happening, yada, yada. But I also like to find out more about her life, et cetera. I'll do an hour with her. Uh, and I'll also do an hour with the amazing Kreskin. Um, I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a mentalist. Right. And he used to be on all the night shows for many, many years. And he's still going strong. He's still, well, without, with, when the pandemic hit, he couldn't do it anymore. But he was traveling and doing 300 shows a, a year. Unbelievable. Wow. Uh, but he has stories that you wouldn't believe. But, you know, stories of when he was on different shows or the different people that he's met or uh, his background. And and I always have to ask him at the beginning, you know, what's the difference between a psychic and a mentalist? There's a lot of difference. And he loves to explain it. So we have a lot of fun. We've become very good friends over the years. Uh, I know I can always call him and say, hey, you know, Kristen, let's do an hour. Okay, not a problem. Uh, because we have fun. And that's the other part. Have fun with it. Gosh, don't put yourself in such a position that you're going to be stressed out over something. If you're prepared, and you already said it, John, write, write bullet points. You don't want to write out a whole answer. Because if you've used right. notes during an interview, people are, especially if it's television, <laughs> they're going to think, mm, I don't think this is such a good interview. Um, on radio, you can do that. I mean, if you want to, but you shouldn't have to. Why would you, you know, you bullet points. They, I always used to think of it this way. I memorize, when I do television, I mem- and I'm interviewed, I memorize letters that spur words that spur a sentence. So I can say, okay, um, S is for my show. Um, show times would be the word. And then I got to get all the information in for because of, of those two things, the S and the Showtime, I have to get in all the information about when my show is on, how to get a hold of me, types of shows that I'm doing, that type of thing. It spurs, you, it's almost like a mental thing that you do. Everybody has a trick. That's my trick. I, I memorize letters that spur words, that spur thoughts. So, but if, if you have those, you're ready. You're ready. And go into it like you're talking to a friend. Uh, I don't care if you've never met them before. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody that I have on the show, it's always like, you know, I, I know you. I, I've read all your, your stuff, and I, I know about you. So let's get together and share. Exactly. You want to ask questions of me? I'll be glad to answer. But remember, it's my show. Like I said, I've got the button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on the um, so then if, if you've got like a 10 to 15-minute show, um, obviously you have to get your, your book in and it, for for ten or fifteen minutes, um, how many times do you want to be able to get your you know critical data? Like this is my website, or this is my book, or you can get it here, or it's releasing this. How many times would you want to get that in? And how many would be like um, just obscene? Obscene, yes. <laughs> yeah, twice. Okay. Twice is safe. However, slide it in. Don't be obvious the first time, and hopefully the host, if they have any you know, respect for themselves or the interview itself. They're always going to say, do you have a website? After, at the end of every interview that I do, yeah. I always ask if they have a website uh, and how do they get your book? 
if it's a, if they have a book, or sometimes it's a, a doctor that's with a Cleveland Clinic or a Mayo or whatever. Uh, is there a place where I can go and get more information about the subject we just talked about? So I always do that at the end, uh, and I even give them a warning. You know, hey, we don't have much time left here. Let's get this in, and I say that on the air. Yeah, because I want I want people to know I'm not there to just you know pick their brain and then dump them. No, you know I want to let people know about how you know, how to get a hold of you or how to get your book or where do I get more information on this? It's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to get calls later anyway saying, Mary Jane, how do I get a hold of this person or how do I find the book? I'd rather not waste my time doing that. Sure. <laughs> so get it on the air. Okay, good. Now, I've had one, actually I've been doing this for a while then on, on drilling our, our uh, Winners, because we we're now ready to release volume 37. So that's 37 years, almost that many I've been doing this drilling. And one of our, our judges just, he just really doesn't like doing media. He's, he's, uh, he's a great author. He's won many, many awards. And he did one TV interview, and the host was uh, asking, So you got a book coming out? Yes. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's another historical fantasy? Uh huh. And uh, there's all these one-word answers, and it turned out to be, a, you know, turned into a 30-second interview. Um, I, I hope you kicked him in the butt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah. never, ever, ever have a yes or a no answer. Always have a follow-up. Yes, and boy, I'd love to tell you about it. It's so exciting, and it's exciting to me. It doesn't take much. I mean, there are some people that just don't feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Then, to be honest with you, they shouldn't be doing interviews. Right. Bottom line. Uh, you know, I, I don't want a person to say yes or no on the air to me. Yeah. Because that, you know, makes, it makes me work harder. I work hard enough. <laughs> I don't yeah. need to be working harder. I've, I've carried some people, uh, especially if they're local, um, and they always they always feel comfortable coming because you'll always you know, make us look good, et cetera. Well, that's different. If it's a charity or something, yeah, I'll carry the doggone thing. But, you know, if this is something, you know, a book that you're selling or a concept that you're selling, uh, why should I do all your work for you? That's not right. That's right. Yeah, with writers and, and illustrators, it's even harder because they – they communicate through their art, not with words particularly. And so I found that illustrators are even harder to do, but possibly you've observed, because anytime um, I get one of my winners on a radio or TV show before they've had a chance to attend the workshop and the seminar on how to do media, I'll spend an hour or two hours on the phone with them, drilling them on how to answer questions and what to say and how to be um, communicative you know, and just don't do the one or two word answers because they're, they can be, you know, they've never done it before. So they get flustered or uncertain. And so I try to drill into them so they can get a little bit of certainty on this is what you're doing and why you need to do that. And it is conversational. And some people are just not comfortable with people they don't know being conversational. Well, the other thing too, is with illustrators, I can understand that. Um, because like you said, it is, their, their passion is having something on, you know, on a canvas. Uh-huh. Uh, here, what I would do with them, two things. One, if they do radio, make sure that they have two or three of their illustrations sitting in front of them so that they can describe them, so that they can, you know, get into their own illustrations and explain to 
the host what the illustration is all about and why they did it and how it fits into uh, why they did it uh, and how they got started, their, their life story. And they can do that themselves. On television, make sure you always have in their hot little hands some of those illustrations mm-hmm. so they can hold them up to the camera. If the words are not always there and as exciting as you would like them to be, the illustrations will take over. John, let me give you an example. Uh, Quite a few years ago, someone said, look at the television set, at someone who is either a news anchor or a talk show host, and listen and watch them. Then turn your back on the television and listen to what they're saying. For the most many times, you will hear that that person could not do radio because they're so used to doing television and having props or having the video behind them uh, that they don't think about creation, you know, creating the words. Uh, a lot, most radio people can pretty much do television if, if you look, you know, hefty. <laughs> yeah. uh, because let's face it, you know, television is still a thing that, you know, you got to look pretty good when you get on TV. But it's amazing when you think about how the voice carries everything. It really does. Uh, and if you can carry it on television, you can carry it on radio, but vice and vice, or actually vice versa. But very few television people can do radio. I used to laugh because when the, when they used to do a lot of telethons, you know, for Easter seals and, uh, muscular dystrophy and all that kind of thing, I used to get calls from Los Angeles to go down and, uh, host or co-host, uh, a telethon. And I used to laugh. I said, what, what the heck are you calling me in Sacramento? Don't you have enough stars in Hollywood and, and Los Angeles to do your, your hosting for your TV shows? He said, it's very difficult because a lot of these TV people have to have a script or they have to have a teleprompter. And he said, we can always count on radio people um, that you'll go on television. If we say, if you, we give you the stretch sign, you can go on for the next five minutes and talk about, you know, the rain drops falling, you know, or whatever <laughs> happens to be. Or if you have to shorten it, uh, we know that you can shorten it immediately on a dime. Uh, but we were used to doing that. We're used to flying by the seat of our pants. Uh, most people who are, you know, star types or whatever, like, like you said, they have to have a script or they have to have the teleprompter running. Uh, I used to hate it when I would go to the PBS station and help them out with some of their uh, fundraising on on television because they'd always have a teleprompter. And I said, you know, I really don't need a teleprompter. Oh, well, we want it to be exact. I said, I'll paraphrase it. I'll get in everything that you need. Uh, You think in terms of outlines. If you can think in terms of outlines, you're going to be fine. Uh, But again, television have them have the props, have them hold up the props and tell them what they were thinking, uh, you know, what I was thinking when I was, when I did this illustration and it came from whatever, an experience that I had or whatever like that. Uh, same thing. And, and, and print media, you know, I, I did an hour interview for probably what they used, maybe five minutes of what I talked about, but that's okay. Let them make the choice. You can guide them into the direction that you want them to go uh, if you just think ahead. Think ahead. When uh, the interviewer asked me, what was my proudest moment? And I thought, oh, my God, you know, how many interviews that I've done, thousands and thousands and thousands of interviews. How am I going to you know, pick out one or two that was the best? So instead of doing that, 
I went with the proudest moment of my life is when I realized that whatever I do on the air is going to be truth. And that's where she got the title for nothing but truth for the article. Uh, and because I said, you know, I, I want everybody to know that what I do on the air is the same. I said, it is hypocritical to me when you know a talk show host, and I've known many, John, believe me, and you probably have too. On the air, they're one person. Off the air, they're a completely different person. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I can't look in the mirror in the morning and say, well, I can live with you for another day if I did that. Uh, so again, be true to your, if they're true to themselves and get, you'll know, start interviewing them to find out about their passion and why they do what they do and how do they do it? Do they have to work in the night? Uh, do they have to have a, a deadline before they can do something? If you can get them to talk about that, they'll have a lot of things to talk about when they're on the air, whether it's radio or television. That makes good sense. Now, when you were a, um, when you published your, um, your book on um, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, what was that, about 12 years ago? It was 2000? Yeah, it, was two, it came out in 2008. Yeah, so Marilyn, Joe, and me. And that yeah. was the perspective on Marilyn Monroe as seen through the eyes of June DiMaggio, Joe DiMaggio's sister. So No, it was his aunt. Uh, she was, <laughs> I'm sorry, it was her uncle. Joe was her uncle. Oh, Joe's her uncle. Okay, good. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what... That was a, an interesting story. I'll, I'll keep it concise for you. Um, I want to make sure we have enough time here. Yeah. Uh, she, I knew her for years, uh, since 1980, believe it or not. She heard me talking about Marilyn Monroe with uh, Kitty Kelly, who had written the book, and also a couple of other books that came out that claimed that they were you know, boyfriends and married to Marilyn Monroe, and everybody goes, yeah, right, okay. Um, and so she heard some of those interviews, and she actually called me. And she says, I'd like to meet with you and talk with you about this. And she did. So over the years that I'd known her, um, she told me all, all these wonderful stories about Marilyn, what she was like, how she and Joe got together, how they were star-crossed lovers, uh, that she never really fell in love with anybody but Joe. Joe never married again. They, they were married only like about nine months, and that's about it. Uh, but I thought, you know, these are wonderful stories. I said, June, you should start recording some of these stories because, you know, I, I hope you live to be 108. She almost lived to be 91. But, I, you know, they're going to be gone. And she said, well, would you help me? Well, John, I learned a lesson. Don't ever say, sure, I'll help you, because all of a sudden the burden was on me. So it took seven years of talking to her, finding out the stories, and then going through all the pictures that she had, because there were like 80 pictures in that book, uh-huh. uh, all the recipes, because her mom and dad actually, June DiMaggio's mom and dad, owned DiMaggio's restaurant on Fisherman's Wharf, and, uh, Wharf until it closed down. And you know, it, it, it took a lot out of me, to be honest. Uh, it was just a lot of work. It was just a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, because this is, I wanted to do it through her eyes, but not always exactly how she said it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then you have to have a good editor. You got to make sure you have a good editor because they can feel where things need to go. Uh, I had so many stories. It was unbelievable because she also worked with uh, the likes of Ann Southern and Barbara Stanwyck and all these other people, Carol Channing. Uh, and so she had those stories intermingled in between the stories about Marilyn. And there were so many cute stories about Marilyn. And I, that's what I wanted to go. I did not want the same publicity stories 
that everybody else had. I just, I, that turned me off because I said, you know, I've seen all the publicity and, you know, what people want, what the, the, the ones who were the publicity people wanted you to know, that's not what I want. What I wanted to know is, you know, what was she like when she was with you? What was she like? What did she have hobbies? Um, was she, you know, kind of fun? You know, did, what, did she, what did she use on her hair, you know, to, to stay the blonde <laughs> that she was? Yeah. I mean, stuff like that. And and so that's the story, and that's the reason I went ahead, like, for seven years, worked on that. We had a publisher, which that's the other thing, too. Be careful what publisher you get, uh, because it could be not a good ride, and ours was not a good ride. But, I, you know, I, don't, I do not regret that I did the book, uh, because those stories would have been lost forever if I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and the book came out in about 2008. We hit a lot of the national stuff and, and all that, which is great. Gave me some publicity, gave her, uh, it gave her something to do. I mean, she was in her 80s, uh, you know, and, and she needed something. She needed a project to, to go on because she was an actress for a long time. Not an A actress, but a B actress. And she did a lot of stage work and she sang and all that. So it gave her something to do. It gave me the first time to be able to write a book, which I had no idea what it was like to write a book. I had written columns. Lot different than writing a book, uh, and you know what all what you have to go through, uh, and meeting with publishers. I learned a lot, but meeting with publishers, I went, geez, you know. And people who I'd had on the show, I'd ask them their advice, and they say, well, don't expect to make a whole lot in the first book until you uh, build up a reputation. Well, I really didn't have time to to come up with another book, although I've got one in the back of my mind that I'm kind of toying with right now. Uh, but anyway, it was it was a journey. It was a journey. Uh, and one that I would never say I didn't want to do or that I hated that I did it. No, mm -hmm. but it was through someone else's eyes. And that can be very difficult when you're writing it through someone else's eyes. Yeah. You know, if you know what I mean. Yes. So my one question I've got is how much did radio or TV get involved with the actual promotion publicity of that book? Oh, I did a lot. We did a lot of radio and television. I mean, we did national radio and television both. Uh, we did CNN, we did uh, ABC, CBS on a national level. Um, the radio, oh, we get, we must have done uh, over a, about a year or two, we must have done at least 150 radio stations. Wow. Uh, and I always tried to do them together because, you know, she was up there in years. And sometimes they would try and trip her up. And I wasn't going to let that happen. Yeah. You know, she was, she's older. Um, she has her stories. They may not agree with the stories that she has about Marilyn or about Joe. That's fine. But, you know, she was there. You weren't. You know? yeah. And so I could protect her in a way uh, by being with her. And I, cause we, I, I mean, we would do interviews in the middle of the night because a lot of them were East Coast. So they were three hours ahead of us. Uh, and I would drive over to her place at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and do interviews. Because I didn't want her to be subjective. Because I, you know, I'm a talk show host. I know about these things. So yeah. I know what they're looking for. And you'll get it. You'll get a good interview. There's no no doubt. But I'm not going to let you torture her either. Yeah, morning drive can be rough sometimes. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. That's why I say be, you know, know the people that you're going to be doing the interview by either listening to them. I mean, I would never let her do interviews on some of the, you know, rock stations where the guys were just, being fallacious. No, that's not what we were there for. 
so again, you have to you have to investigate. You have to know what what information you're looking for or what kind of show you're looking for. Uh, and but it, it takes a little bit of research. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen. But, you know, it's not going to be handed to you. It's just not yeah, going to. For sure. Yeah. One of the things that you know the reason why I said why I'm doing this interview with you uh, when. When Ellen Hubbard created the Writers of the Future contest back in 1983, he wanted to provide that platform for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. And as we continued to grow, because for him, it was important. He would, there was a lot of letters, and these are in the online course that we, that we offer now for free on, at writersofthefuture.com. But uh, he wrote a lot of essays, and he was always trying to assist the aspiring writer to, um, and then following that, the aspiring artist, to... Um, get a leg up because he didn't see them as competition. He just saw them as welcome to the field, you know, welcome to, welcome to the, to the crew. So with what we're doing here and I mean, we've done a lot of interviews before and we've talked a lot about uh, Ellen Hubbard's short stories and the stories from the golden age and his battlefield earth, which we've done many interviews on. And you've had a lot of our winners and judges on as guests for Miners of the future. Yeah. Anything in particular you've got to say then about, I guess, writers of the future or um, L. Ron Hubbard as, as one of these tools to be able to assist the aspiring writer or artist? I think the bottom line is if you are going to write, you are going to illustrate, do your own thing. Don't try and copy anybody else. You are the best knowledge and experience that that you can have to sit down and write or illustrate don't be don't don't be a copy you know then you're just a second second tier (laughs) instead of being the the original you want to be the original and so many people will say well i would love to write a book like so and so no you wouldn't you you may want to write the top the same kind of topic or the you know like science fiction or fantasy or whatever it doesn't make any difference what it is but make it your own be the unique person don't be a copy I've never I, I've taken traits from people I mean as a talk show host um, I listen to other talk shows I'm a talk show junkie I'm a news junkie I do listen to people not so much now because I've done a lot for a lot of years but especially at the beginning I used to listen to everybody and maybe I kind of like something that they said or how they said it or an inflection or whatever I could take them be a part of me but not take I don't want to copy anybody I didn't want to be you know uh, some of the, the other talk show hosts or how they their style or whatever no I wanted to be unique whether maybe it wasn't always the best for the particular station so I didn't always get a, a job at that particular station because maybe they want they were looking for something different. They're so like actors, you know. Actors go into auditions and they don't get the job and they can't understand why. It has nothing to do with their talent. Maybe they didn't like the color of their hair or the sound of their voice or something that they said or did when they walked in. We're subjected. Whether you're a talk show host or a book writer or an illustrator, you are subjected to whoever is talking with you. Uh, I may be judging you when I'm talking to you. I try not to do that, but you can't help it. We're human. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got an opinion, and everybody's, some of that's going to slide into whatever you do. When I was a reporter on the street, I had to really fight not to put my big, fat opinion in there 
because I was a reporter. When I was a news anchor, I'm here to report the news. When I as a talk show host, now look out, because I'm wide open. I can do all that kind of thing. You have to know what your boundaries are. But you also have to believe in what you are and be the unique, original, not a copy of anyone else. Not ever. That's very good news. That's, I mean, that, I think that's very, very important. And there's also something a person needs to grow into. I mean, you can start off with that, but practice makes perfect as well. You know, oh, and, yeah. and doing the interviews. So have, yeah. have people that, you know, sit down with you and ask you questions. Practice. Yes. Yeah. What did they say? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Yes, it's the way they do it. Um, uh, Playing instruments, singing, whatever. You have to practice. You've got to do it over and over again. Uh, Get people that you know and love you so that they're not going to tear you apart and sit down and start doing interviews with them. Yeah. Uh, So that you feel comfortable when somebody starts asking you any other question. Some of your friends will probably ask some harder questions than some of the talk show hosts you're on. (laughs) For sure. Just as an aside, because we're we're getting close to the end of our interview here now, but just one thing which I thought you'd be interested. No, it's not time yet, is it? We're getting there. We're not quite there. But but one thing I wanted to, to say, which I don't think I've ever mentioned to you before, but in the 30s, Ellen Hubbard used to be a balladeer, a radio balladeer, and he once held a slot that Arthur Godfrey took over, um, a radio slot that on, on that same hour that Arthur Godfrey then took over. Uh, this is the yeah. 1930s. And then in the 40s, um, he had a show called The Mailboy. And uh, when he was in Ketchikan, Alaska, he had a, a regular radio show there. On, um, there it was on KGBU in uh, Ketchikan, Alaska, when he was there on a, doing a flying a flag expedition for the Explorers Club that his, his boat broke down. So he was there for about a month or two, and he, he did a radio show, regular one, um, talking about you know, things maritime, because he himself was uh, a very experienced naval person. But oh, also, yeah. but also um, he had a, a contest, a writing contest, and he then used that to be able to connect up the winner with his, with his contacts in uh, New York. And gave them a cash prize, and that was like in December. I think it was 1940. But he definitely spent a lot of time um, in the radio himself. And he talked about how one time when he was just, he thought it was no big deal, and he was just there looking at the microphone and just totally went froze. He's like, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening? How did this happen? But, you know, then he, he got over it, obviously. But it was just, he, had, he went through that as well, just freezing when you saw that big microphone sitting in front of you in, in um in the studio. So it's something that can happen oh, let to anybody. Me give it, let me give you an example how that does happen. When I was at Indiana University, that's where I did my uh, bachelor's and master's and some of my PhD work. Um, I used to do the news for a station there uh, uh-huh. on campus. Yeah. And the, the, there was one guy that was a good friend for many years after that. He's passed now, but he said, I remember when you used to do the news and you were always so cognizant of the time. You wanted to be off right exactly on the time. And you would finish off with, and this is Mary Jane Pop. You know, <laughs> and then he teased <laughs> me for years about that. Well, that's where you get the experience. Now, I've never seen him. I don't see a microphone I don't love. You know, <laughs> just yeah. put it in front of me and I'll start talking. Um, so you learn. You learn as you go along and, and use the people around you. I'm sure he's, you know, anybody has friends that will sit down with you and say, go ahead, ask me any questions about the book or ask me any questions about my illustrating work. And when you feel comfortable talking with your friends, 
That's what you have to think about the people that you're talking with, whether it's radio or television or print. These are your friends. Think of them as your friends. You're sitting around the living room just chatting, and you'll feel much more comfortable. You won't feel like, oh, my God, what am I going to say? It's going to be terrible. No, don't let those negatives come up. Keep it positive. Keep it positive in your mind. I'm here. We're going to have fun. I mean, this is, you know, I knew we were going to be talking about all these different things. I had no idea where you were going to go with some of this. So what? So we, we do it. Whatever your personal experience is, that's what you call upon. That's what life is. You call upon your life. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, this has been amazingly great talking to you. And I know that um, this is one of those interviews they're going to have to listen to a couple, two or three times because you were just like, dropping these little hints and, and pieces of technology and how to do interviews. It's like, bam, 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 bam. It's like, I even have a lot of experience. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> you know, that's why well, I now, didn't ask you questions because you were just like dropping. Remember I told you before, always make sure you get your stuff in, your information in, always at least twice. Now, I did it the first time. Now, I'm going to do it now. If anybody has any questions, seriously, if they have some questions of anything that I've said on, on the air with you, uh, they can always call me at the station. And let me give you that number. I'm, I'm wide, like I said, I'm wide open. 530-885-5636. If I'm not there, leave a message. I'll call you back. 530-885-5636. Uh, look up our website, if you like. It's kahi.com. Uh, you can always listen to my show. It, it's on uh, Monday through Friday, 6 and 10 p.m. Pacific time on FM 104.5 and AM 950 K-HI. Or uh, if you go to the website, khi.com, you can listen to us 24-7 at your leisure. And if you want to email me, just email me, popoff, P-O-P-P-O-F-F, at live.com. And I'll be glad to respond. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Mary Jane. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well just by typing in Writers of the Future. Again, I highly recommend you read the Writers of the Future series. These are our, after all, who are judges of selected as the best of the best new writers and artists. They can be found at writersofthefuture.com, at Amazon, or wherever you get your books. And John, good friend, thank you so much for including me, and I hope I you know, help, was helping some of the people, because this is what it's all about. We do need to share. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard was right. You know, we need to share with other people our expertise and our years of experience. And I always love having you on my show, too. We're going to do that real soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. Thank you very much, Mary Jane. 